0: Welcome to the Bellenials Podcast. I'm welcome, your host. Welcome. Um, I wasn't done. Hey. <laughs> I am your host, Moons. And I'm Bear. What's up? What's up? And we have a special guest on today. Do you want to introduce yourself, sir?
1: Hey, guys. My name is David Camerina, and I am a therapist, marriage Woo. family therapist.
0: So we brought him on today because, in case you guys didn't know, May is Mental Health Awareness Month. And me and Bear ha- have like a very, uh, we have a soft spot in our heart. Bear especially for, like, suicide prevention. Yeah. You even had uh, fundraised a campaign, right, on Facebook? Yeah. For your birthday for suicide, pre- uh, eh, suicide prevention. I'm sorry, yeah, and it wasn't even twisted. that much
2: money, but it was something. But it's know?
0: something. And, yeah. So, we thought we would bring on Mr. David here today to talk to us since he has more experience than both of us do in m- mental health. Yeah. So, do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself and where you come from and what you do and...
1: Sure. All right. So I've been working in mental health now seven years. Um, It's something I really am passionate about and enjoy. Um, I have a bachelor's degree in psychology. And then the next step was uh, getting the master's in psychology. And it has an emphasis in marriage family therapy. Um, So what I do is I'm pretty much trained to treat the family model. um, So that can include kids, uh, adults, couples, individuals, teens, So you name it, anybody who has some kind of mental health impairment, um, I'm trained in assessing and diagnosing, doing some treatment planning, and I've been working with um, any kind of disorder, especially in a mental health crisis settings. I've done inpatient, outpatient programs, um, and right now I'm about to get licensed. Um, So technically my title is Associate Marriage Family Therapist, and I just love what I do. I, I help people on a daily basis, and it's, it's really hard, but it's really rewarding.
0: It's amazing.
2: Yeah. This is actually something that we've been wanting to touch mm-hmm. on for quite some time now. And it's uh, it's really cool to finally have someone who's actually qualified and licensed
0: yeah, uh, on the show with us. Just us two buffoons sitting here just bullshit and talking about things we don't really know about. Like, on a-
2: <laughs> Yeah, and we've touched on it a little bit, but we didn't want mm-hmm. to go too intense depth with it until we actually had someone who knew what they were talking about right and, that, and that's why i'm glad i'm here is because i i feel like you know
1: mental health has that taboo f- aspect of it there's a lot of people that really don't know about it they want to yeah. know about it mm. um so i'd love to you know shed some light out there on you know more about this kind of t- subject
0: see we could talk from a personal standpoint of it but we can't talk from like actual scientific
2: yeah, like standpoint. exactly yeah. Yeah.
0: So, that's where you come in. (laughs) For sure. For sure.
2: All right. So, if you guys haven't noticed, uh, this is going to be a little bit more of a serious episode. So, you know, fair warning. So, David. Yes. I was online a little bit ago and uh I pull, I read that millennials are actually at higher risk for mental health issues due to elevated expectations higher levels of uh, perfect, uh perfectionism. Based on your experience, how how does that fare? Is that true or is that uh, just bullshit? I, I think there's a lot of truth to that. Is there? Um I feel like we're
1: we're living in a in a generation now where things are just put on display for likes mm-hmm. or for attention. Yeah. And people are s- getting pushed and forced into a mold that maybe is not meant for them and we have all these expectations not only through media television back in the day it's like oh i want to look like the girl in the magazine or Mm -hmm. i want to be that guy on tv but now it's i think it's even worse because now we have these instagram models these facebook accounts or whatever social media out there that are kind of putting people on display and saying this is what you should look like or this is what you should be doing yeah there's a lot of pressure on if I'm not that then I'm not good enough.
0: So you think social media plays a big part in the uprise of like feeling that way?
1: I, I definitely well, there is some clinical research that's been done recently in the mental health field that I've been studying is that research shows that the more time actually spent on social media, the more depressed people become mm. because they're dependent on that. So do you mm. believe
0: that like addiction to social media is a very real thing?
1: It's a very real thing and it's actually an escape for some people yeah. to cope with yeah. their real lives because if I can that. live through someone else's
2: account, yeah. you know, it's not going to motivate me to do anything. Mm. <laughs> you know, I get that. That makes a lot of sense uh, and sort of the way that, that I rationalize it is. Anybody can have an Instagram account, whereas before, back in the 80s or so, uh, you would see the people on TV and not everyone could be on TV. Yeah. Right. So you, you think that plays a uh, onto the to the higher expectations. Like if this person can do this, this model looks this way, why don't I?
1: Exactly. And that's, that's something you just keep seeing. And it's, the sad thing is we're kind of idolizing these people yeah. and giving them money and fame. And it's like at what cost, like if you, you know, not to bag on anyone, but if you look at people like the cash me outside girl, Mm -hmm. you know, she's a millionaire and on the road making money. And it's just really sad. And if you look at her life, it's very broken. She has father abandonment issues. I was reading up on her life and she's
2: struggling with mental health herself. And yeah, the
0: Kardashians, for example, right. also
2: exactly, yeah. That's a, that's something that we actually talked about in a earlier episode. That uh, we we tend to idolize these people because we see them as entertainment rather than actual human beings. Correct, that's true. Uh, I've also read earlier today that since the '80s, uh, people started focusing on individual improvement when it comes to their careers and higher education and everything, as well as as their social uh, circles, social media, and all of that. Which also tends to lead to uh, elevated levels of stress and depression, suicidal tendencies, and things like that. Is there anything that you've learned through your your uh, time so, as a therapist? Yeah, definitely. You know, each
1: year uh, about forty five thousand people. Um, die in america at the hands of suicide alone and um that's a huge number and it's keep going it keeps going up and one thing i kind of like to take a step back and analyze was you know we live in a very individualistic society Mm -hmm. you know we preach individualism the power of you time warner cable right it's Mm -hmm. always this like you are focused on yourself for yourself for your wellness and your success so what about helping each other and other countries are actually based on more a collectivist system so if you look at the world at a large there's other countries don't struggle with suicide like we do they don't struggle with these school shootings like we do because i'm not saying that they don't it's just less and there's something wrong i think to say about how things are built here
0: i did hear something and i'm not sure how accurate it is that japan has one of the highest suicide suicide rates actually
1: also true and if you look at that it's because they're based in one of the biggest cities in the world Mm-hmm. And those cities are concentrated and individualistic as well. Uh, and so when you look at that individualism as a forefront for success, especially in the major cities, that's where depression and suicide rates go up.
0: So one of my questions for you is, do you think that people back then were happier? And if so, why?
1: You know, that's a good thing to look at. We don't have statistics to measure things from back then as mm-hmm. much Um But I feel like what made things worse is when people start focusing on personal gain, personal, Mm. you know, the personal individualistic idea, because that's what's making people feel pressure. Oh, I want to be like that girl. I want to be like that guy. And I think that causes that pressure. And especially if you don't have that family support, because not everybody's born with a nice family or direction either in life. And so they're kind of. Oh, you're in foster care. You
2: turned 18. Good luck in the real oh, world. yeah, <laughs> <You> yeah. <laughs> it's like you have to make it on your own, right? And that's sad. Would part of it also be putting up a front on, like, on social media and stuff? We I also talked earlier about how uh, we all post the pictures that we want other people to see, and we mm-hmm. we write the st- status updates that we want people to read. Mm-hmm. Uh, is would that be a part of like keeping the bad things in that uh, they manifest as? depression things yeah, like that it, you know it's really funny
1: um a recent social media study on instagram that i had read up was there there's people who front as happy positive mm-hmm. but in reality those people are suffering on the inside yeah um and that's something that's really interesting because you might look at someone's social media account and think they're doing great they're happy look what they're doing in their life but then when you look behind the mask yeah they're probably suffering more because maybe they feel that pressure to show off or they have to be a certain way or fake it to make it or just hide their insecurities.
0: I think the people that put out more and try so hard to push this idea of, look at how amazing my life is, are always the people who are the saddest. It's true. They're always the people Mm -hmm. who you see them in real life, and they're nothing like their social media. And
1: without mentioning any names, obviously, um, due to HIPAA guidelines, Mm -hmm. um, I have seen a lot of celebrities um, come through mental health programs Because, you know, the celebrities, the ones that people love, are are sometimes the most tortured souls on the inside. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And that's going to lead into my next question, actually. Do you think that money or wealth equals happiness at all?
1: You know, that's that's a great question. I feel like people that don't have wealth, money, and fame are always pursuing that because they feel like, I need that to be happy. Um, and it's interesting because when you interview people that are actually wealthy and, ha- uh, you know, successful, sometimes they're not happy mm-hmm. at all. And you can even see that with Jim Carrey. He's oh, He's very yeah. public lately. You know, all these celebrities who get to the top, they always say the same thing. I feel alone. It's lonely mm-hmm. at the top. You know, they can't even go to Walmart and buy yeah. something. You know, they, have to, they can't have a real life anymore. And I think that isolation in a way is very depressing or that pressure mm-hmm. to perform or be an entertainer it has got to be. You know I mean look at Kurt Cobain from yeah. from Nirvana he was one of the most famous examples of suicide in the entertainment industry.
0: 2 points. 1 Is it do you think that it's true that people who are who come from poverty more are more depressed than people who come from wealth? And also I've noticed this weird um kind of what's the word like ladder A trend. of No, of celebrities like they are so, so, so happy, and then they reach the top, and then they have this weird break. It's like you've seen with like that's Amanda Bynes, right. yes, where they just like do the most outlandish things, and it happens with all of them. Right. And I, I don't, like, I've always, that's always been fascinating to me. Like, why? Why is it that it happens to every celebrity at just, like, once they reach the top?
1: All right, to address the first question, that's really interesting you bring that up. It's actually, depression is higher in... Um, the higher class sometimes yeah so there's actually you would think oh they're poor so they're gonna be more depressed it's actually not true statistics show pretty even spread across the board there's mm-hmm. as many oh. depressed poor people as there are wealthy people and it's and in fact the scales are tilting more the more wealthy you are the more depressed you are yeah. from what i've seen in in the studies who you know people that go in for depression Mm -hmm. or get treatment for depression so
2: would that be back to the the expectation
1: perfectionism all that and i feel like the more money the more power there's more expectations there's more pressures and i think that really takes a toll on mental health and that's why going into the celebrity thing um these breakdowns happen because there's so much pressure that i have to be a certain way that i have to you know think about it they have to wake up in the morning and People are telling them you're perfect, so they have to fit mm-hmm. that expectation. Mm-hmm. And we're all humans, you know. We don't all look like a million dollars with makeup yeah. either. In the we morning. get to go.
0: We get to go <laughs> to the to the grocery store without a bra, and no makeup, and a hair in a right. bun. Whereas yeah. they can't because people yeah. snap pictures and make fun of their every, you know, crevice, every everything. I mean, how would you every
1: like crevice. to? <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. How would you guys like to wake up in the morning and knowing? you have to look over your shoulder because there might be somebody hiding in your bushes oh. to take a picture of you to sell a TMZ. You know, these people are fighting stalkers, not
2: just those pressures. They're yeah. stalkers
1: you got to worry about. Yeah. Things that we take for granted because we're not in that situation. That's something that yeah. I've never
2: actually I've never thought about, actually. Yeah, I mean, yeah. whenever you get a picture of a celebrity flipping off of a pedagogy, it's like, oh, this celebrity's an asshole. Yeah, right? exactly.
0: Have you, seen, have you seen that video where it's like, good morning, Kanye, <laughs> fuck you.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Well, I mean, it's true. It's because like you, you're getting stuck now. You're getting death threats, and yeah. you know it's yeah. just these people break down because there's just so many things on their plate. So,
0: I like and and you always hear people like, "Oh, you have nothing to complain about because you have money and blah blah blah," mm-hmm. and I don't totally, you know, I don't agree with that at all.
2: Like (laughs) at all.
0: At all. It's really fucked up to say because these people do have to deal with a lot more, you know. Again, they can't go to the store, they gotta look over their fucking shoulder all the time. They can't say Mm -hmm. certain things or else it's gonna come back to haunt them. Something that they said when they were a dumb teenager comes back to haunt them.
1: And one thing also about depression is there's also a lot of evidence to show in research that if you have a grandparent or you know, somebody in your bloodline that has depression, you're most likely to have it too. Yeah. Mm. Um, I know I've struggled with depression and anxiety in my life, and I've had relatives who had anxiety. Like, both my grandmothers have anxiety. Yeah. And they both kind of transferred it to me because I I notice I'm naturally anxious, and sometimes that is genetic too. So it's not just environmental. It could be a medical, biological gene transfer. Yeah. Does it
0: run in your family, Bears?
1: Yeah,
2: it does, and uh, I've definitely felt it.
0: Yeah, I have a... Bipolar runs a lot in my family. And, of course, it got passed on to my sister. It got passed on to me. So, like, Mm -hmm. yeah, I've seen... Oh, I've noticed.
2: Oh, yeah. Shut the fuck up. (laughs) Yeah,
0: I've seen it. It's definitely uh, gets passed on, and that fucking sucks. Because we don't get to choose that. Definitely. And it doesn't... I don't know. Do you think that's... Do you think... Okay, what about a situation where there is a person who grew up, and there's no history of any mental health problems in their family, and out of nowhere... It gets hit on them. Like some, they end up getting diagnosed with something. Something's wrong with them. Where does that come from?
1: It, it happens. Um, a lot of things that people don't realize is, for example, let's say schizophrenia. Mm-hmm. Um, that's actually late onset in your mid to late 20s, even early 30s. So you can have a person that's no awesome, smart. I knew somebody like that. They're the smartest person I've ever met. They were college educated. They had a master's degree. They were doing awesome life, you know, entrepreneur. And all of a sudden they hit i want to say like early 30s mid 30s and they turn schizophrenic their ideas started getting more delusional Mm -hmm. they started getting more paranoid and before you know it they've lost their business they've lost credibility and they're running around and you look at them like why are they running down in the parking lots in their underwear yeah and they get end up on psych holds in the hospital now and so it's sad you know mental health sometimes their warning signs are there, but if there's no
2: early onset treatment, those are the people that end up the worst sometimes. Mm-hmm. Would that be a cause of like high levels of stress and things like that? Or or is that something that's already in the brain?
1: You know, there's a lot of research. Um, there's a lot we don't know about that. Um, there's a lot of research going right now. And what I know to be true is with schizophrenia is that it's 50-50. So it's 50% genetics and it's also 50%. Could be because of trauma. Could be because of the environmental. Um, we just really don't know that answer. Um, mm. We just know that you're at higher risk if you have someone in the family with it. Gotcha.
0: Let's uh let's talk about something that's that's not as talked about, I guess, like autism. Yeah, for sure. I don't really understand like what it is. Can you explain autism okay. to me?
1: Sure. Autism disorder is something that has a spectrum. So it's okay. a range. So you have people who are mildly autistic and mm. then more severe. Um, we used to call that Asperg- Asperger's, um, but we got rid of that. Clinically, now it's your autism level 1, 2, or 3. Okay. So if you're diagnosed with 1, 2, or 3, that means you're on autism scale. And there's some nonverbal and there's some verbal autistic. There's, so it just really depends on the severity. Now, what
0: does this cause? Like,
2: what is autism um,
1: cause? So autism, for those people who don't know, it's, it's something that's like um, a disorder that the neurons are misfiring in the brain. So these, these kids are more sensitive to sight, taste, smell, mm. touch. So they're very sensory. And they're more confused when it comes to processing auditory information and visual. So sometimes you'll see an autistic kid just not focusing. They, they just, they're outside of our normal world. Yeah. They're in their own world. But they're still very intelligent. They just can't express it. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've actually worked with nonverbal autistic kids who type on an iPad or a computer if they can't talk so to give them a voice. Because they are smart. It's just got to teach them that patience to type things out, to talk to us. Yeah.
0: Thank you for explaining that yeah. to me because I I always hear, you know, people using it as a an insult to people and I never like I've I've looked it up but I never really fully understood what it was.
1: And it's hard to understand because it is a spectrum. You can have two autistic kids in a room and they
2: both have the same disorder but it looks totally different. Mm-hmm. I actually read something about what you just touched on that people use autism as a as an insult. Mm-hmm. Uh that comes from a lack of understanding of what autism really is. And I've read that a lot of people call uh, th- uh, syndromes that aren't autism like Down syndrome or Williams syndrome. Uh, they just all merge in together as autism. Mm-hmm. So and yeah, with Down, just, Down syndrome, means- yeah,
1: and so with Down syndrome, it's more a genetic disorder. So yeah. the twenty third chromosome has a you know deformity. So that's where Down's comes from, and that's more intellectual delay. Mm-hmm. We call it. Yeah.
0: Okay, so now let's talk about. Trigger warning (laughs) for everybody who doesn't want to, who gets weird talking about or hearing about suicide. Let's talk about. You mentioned that there's a what five step or five what did you say?
1: So in mental health, when we um kind of diagnose and treat depression, we have to give them a suicide rating scale. And so what that does is we kind of analyze. Okay, you say you're depressed. You maybe you just came from the hospital from a suicide attempt, but how depressed are you really? So we have a rating scale, and there's five stages to it. And it kind of determines um, whether you're passive suicidal ideation or you're actively suicidal to that last step where you actually have an attempt. So step one would be, you know, I don't want to wake up in the morning. I want to die. Mm. Mm-hmm. So that's stage one. We call that passive. The reason why it's passive is because, well, you know, we've all had those thoughts. Of maybe I don't <laughs> want to go wake up to tomorrow or I'm just depressed. But that's we call that more mild. So that's the first warning sign. So if you hear someone say, hey, I don't want to wake up in the morning. Maybe check in with them because they're probably depressed. Uh, stage two would be where it gets active and it's like, I want to kill myself or I thought about wanting to die. There's no method or plan. Um, so you're more severe on the scale. So two is like, okay, now you're escalating from I don't want to wake up in the morning I don't want to die too. I want to kill myself. So that's going the next step, right? Uh, stage three would be I want to kill myself with a knife, let's say, for example. So there's a, there's some kind of method, but there's no plan yet. And then the next would be like, okay, I'm going to actually stab myself with this knife. So then that was more method and planning involved. And then the last stage is like, I did it. So I mm-hmm. got the knife and then I killed myself. So there's five stages and those manifest for people differently. If you have someone, something like bipolar disorder, that'll go zero to hundred real quick. Would it be successful or not? We don't know. But if you have someone that's like just major depressive disorder, that could take two, three years to manifest. So it really depends on the person. So these signs and stages... They can either zero to hundred or they can take years. It just depends on the person.
0: Why does it seem like the happiest people are always the ones who end up going through with it? Like every you always hear that, you know, oh, that person seems so normal, so happy, so and then the people who are actually depressed and who are actually, you know, writing on social media how depressed they are, they don't ever really go through with it, which is good, but it's always the people who don't you don't you wouldn't expect the
1: people will stay quiet about yeah exactly it. right and that and that's actually more simple to answer than you think it, it's the reason is because people are afraid to feel they're afraid to show weakness they're afraid to show people what's really going on inside it's like a turtle they go back in their shells you know we when we don't post to social media that's us hiding in our shells you know mm-hmm. <clears throat> sorry i didn't drink some water <laughs> <Yeah>. it's okay i was <laughs> talking a lot but <laughs> yeah <we're>... <laughs> some asmr <laughs> so, for y'all <laughs> <laughs> let me restart that <laughs> <laughs> so what was the question? <laughs> what was that last question?
0: Um, Why is it that you were saying that people They're are afraid, afraid to, to feel it. and they go back into oh, yeah. their shell?
1: And so I really think a lot of the, when we ask these depressed clients, you know, how did you get here? What happened? A lot of it is because they just ran away from their own feelings. They didn't want to face it. So they masked through happiness or drugs. They coped with drugs or they coped with their friends or they coped with, whatever it was their vice was and that was their escape from, you know, feeling because when when you, you you how often do you guys hear, I'm depressed, I'm suicidal? Yeah. You know, I need help. People have egos that prevent that from happening or they're scared to tell someone I'm sad or I need help. Asking for help is one of the hardest things, believe it or not. And guys are worse, like think about it, guys don't even stop to ask for directions. Yeah. I mean, how are they going to stop to ask for help because they're depressed? You know, it's something that's like a stigma.
0: That's a big problem that needs to be, that needs to come to light more often is how guys are forced to be this extremely masculine, egotistical person. You know, they can't say anything. They can't feel anything. They're not allowed to be sad. And, but girls are allowed to, you know, when girls show emotions, they're labeled crazy. When guys show emotions, they're labeled pussies or, you know, whatever. That is true. And that's fucked up.
1: Um, there's no male therapist out there. So if you guys are listening to this and you're male, please do therapy. Yeah, it's in okay. demand. Um, <clears throat> there's definitely a shortage of male therapists right mm-hmm. now. It's a big problem. I, I When I went to school, um, out of 75 students, there's only two other guys. Yeah. Um, right now, every agency I've ever worked at in the last seven years, I was one of two guys out of like 80 employees. So there's no Shit. guy therapist out there. And that's it's sad because it's greatly needed. and yeah. so. Um, I definitely try, that's why I'm on this podcast. I like to go out and share the news that, you know, we need more males and we need males to come to therapy. I think it it's might, important.
0: I think it might also be a good thing for male people, like patients who want to seek therapy. I think it would be easier if they would, they would, uh, be able to talk to another male, you know, because yeah. maybe yeah. a guy who's afraid mm-hmm. to go to therapy, they think talking to another woman, maybe they won't understand them on a personal level or they might feel judged or they might feel stupid. Whereas maybe talking to another male might be a little bit more comfortable. I've
2: I've been mm-hmm. in a therapy before, and my my therapy was my, my therapist was a female, and yeah, that's exactly what I felt I I felt like she wasn't really listening, and that okay. uh, that, that she would just kind of like she kind of had an attitude that was like just oh suck it up.
0: Yeah.
1: Okay.
2: And I I never went back for the same reasons. Just...
1: And that's one thing I want to tell people too is there's different therapists for different people, mm-hmm. kind of like a doctor. Not all doctors are great. There's some no. really bad doctors out <laughs> no. there. I want to say the same about therapy. There's some really bad therapists, mm-hmm. and there's some really great ones, and I'll admit that. And you have to find what's comfortable for you. Some people prefer a male therapist. Some people prefer a female. You know. But if you go to therapy and you have a bad experience with a therapist, don't let that be the end all for you. Mm-hmm. Just find another one. There's another person to help you.
0: I've been through a few also, and I've also i i had a, a male therapist at one point, and he was just. Again, I didn't yeah. feel like I related to him. I didn't feel comfortable enough mm-hmm. talking to him. I felt like it was just this weird disconnect. Right. Whereas the females, I felt a lot more comfortable with. It's this weird thing where we you know, we connect with our own gender
1: right. more. And, and some people too in therapy, they're just like, man, this doesn't work for me. I went, and how many times did you go? Oh, like two times. Yeah. Well, (laughs) therapy doesn't work that way. (laughs) It's not a cure. I mean, it it took me personally, my 18th therapy session to finally learn something that blew my mind open. Mm -hmm. So sometimes you just have to go and just, you know, you get better with time and you can't fix depression in a day. Sometimes Mm -hmm. it might take a year or two for you to see changes, but they will come. If you are willing to change, you will change. That's my thoughts on it.
0: Any any males especially anybody listening at all like I just want you guys to know that don't ever feel stupid about yourself don't ever feel ridiculous or pathetic going to therapy because as much as people try to throw it off to the side and be like oh it doesn't work oh it's you know it's stupid it's whatever it's not it actually you you learn about yourself you learn a lot more than you think you would you just have to give it time and especially if guys out there please go do not suppress your emotions do not suppress your thoughts because they're going to come out in negative ways they're going to come out worse than they ever would have if you would have went and just tried it
2: I feel like you're talking to me there moon the hell yeah i'm preaching to you Biz. <laughs> no yeah, yeah. We're, we're doing this episode today and i do feel kind of like a hypocrite because uh i mean i as much as uh i respect the profession and everything i i haven't honestly given it a chance mm-hmm. yeah. and uh th- and this kind of making me realize that i need to it's a it's
1: common you know and I want to tell people out there that you think therapy doesn't work, but once you go enough times, you're going to find that aha moment, we call it in there. Yeah. It's just like, wow, because we're so biased on ourselves. People don't look in the mirror with mental health. They just run away from it. And if when you go to therapy, that is scary because now you're facing things you don't want to face. Yeah. And I tell people the mind is like a hallway full of doors. There's rooms that we have to open. You might not want to open that door but that room might be holding you back from going forward to the next stage in your life. Mm-hmm. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah.
0: A lot of people try to just, like, you know, be like, oh, mental health isn't that serious. Yeah.
2: Right. Or or they they don't realize that they're depressed or have some sort of issue. Mm-hmm. They start coping with other things like alcohol or drugs, stuff like that. It's crazy you said that because I was about to bring that up. The one
1: thing I always saw was people, instead of going to therapy, just get, they self-medicate. So cough syrup. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not saying there's anything against marijuana, but people who do use marijuana excessively to the point where you're just being numb. Yeah. You know, I think that could be a problem because, you know, you're not functioning. It's a form of
0: addiction. Right. It is. Yeah.
1: So, you know, as much as people say, oh, no, this is not bad for you, whatever, moderation. That's great. I'm not going to judge you for that. But if you're using that to cope, then it might not be the healthiest solution right now, you know? so. That's, that's why therapy comes into play, and it really does work. And maybe some people need a psychiatrist as well if there's something else going on, like hearing voices or seeing things.
2: That's so. a, a question that I actually have. For what sure. is the difference between a therapist and a psychiatrist?
1: All right. So a therapist has nothing to do with medications. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we study it in school, so I do know a lot about psychotropic medication. But I can't um, sort of prescribe any medications. I can refer you to the psychiatrist and what the psychiatrist does they do an assessment and then they give you psych meds based on what you have so I have a good relationship with psychiatrists and so what I do if I see someone in talk therapy and I'm like hmm maybe the depression is just beyond the limits of talk therapy because I can start seeing it Yeah. then I'd be like you know it's time for you to see a psychiatrist because maybe they can give you something like a mood stabilizer or some kind of um, you know just something that's going to help you with this depression on a, on a way that I can't help you through talk therapy so mm, the hope okay. is to have a partnership and then you know if you get better you have less therapy or maybe we reduce the meds you know Mm -hmm. because our goal is not to just over medicate you and just keep you in therapy forever you know i'm there to guide you so that you can be independent that's the goal you know so
0: let's uh let's talk let's hit on addiction a little bit okay where do you think that okay because i've heard cases of say like eight-year-olds nine-year-olds becoming addicted to stupid things is that Mm -hmm. is that something that um you think develops over time do you think it's they're born with just this urge. like.
1: I mean, well, there is actually a lot of kids who unfortunately are born with meth in their system already mm-hmm. yeah. or other drugs. And sometimes that makes them a little bit more prone to addiction. Because also, you know, we see in substance use disorders is if you have a parent that's addicted and, you know, everybody has an alcoholic relative, you might be more prone to alcoholism yourself because mm-hmm. the addiction is in your genes. So that's also biological. But we've seen that before. And a lot of these kids who get into substance use... Usually, it's because either they have family that's addicted or they themselves are exposed to it and then they become addicted.
0: Here's a question that I have. Um, do you think sexual addiction is a real thing? Yes. Because too many times, and that's something that I'm very passionate about because I think everybody, you know, it's it's possible to get addicted to anything. Mm-hmm. Um, but too many times you hear people um, putting down sexual addiction saying it's not a real thing. You're just a slut. You're just this. You're just that. Why like why is there such a stigma behind that why do why do you think that people think it's not a real thing
1: um that sexual addiction's not a real thing mm-hmm. um well, I think um the way I look at sexual addiction is we define it as therapist is if you are to the point where you have an impairment for school functioning or work functioning or just living a normal life, like then you have an addiction you know insert name here so if it's sex drugs whatever it is so sexual addiction would be like okay they are late to work because they have to finish watching porn mm-hmm. or they they can't even like make ends meet because they're spending all their money in porn on porn websites you know so that addiction starts consuming your life you're not functioning that's what i consider a sexual addiction
0: now do you think that those kind of things stem from maybe sexual abuse past or
1: a lot of people that have sexual addictions actually have been sexually traumatized or abused themselves and were molested as kids Um, We do see that a lot in those
2: patterns. So, speaking of sex. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Everybody wants to know, right? Yeah. What's your experience with uh, fetishes or paraphilia or whatever? So,
1: interestingly enough, in my master's program, we studied sexual dysfunction and sexual disorders. Uh So, we, we covered people with sexual fetishes. We call them paraphilias. From anything to, you know, the regular BDCM kind of stuff. Or, you know, it's just like, unfortunately, you know, kids who are sexually, I mean, adults who are interested in kids sexually so mm. these are paraphilias. anything that's outside of the societal norm we we study it and um it's it's interesting how common these things are and it's just stuff people don't like to talk about hmm.
0: so give us a weird example
1: okay um for example a lot of people in my program were like man i don't understand are people who are into having sex with Objects And we're having emotional attachment to objects. Oh. So I'm sure you guys have seen it. Like a yeah. guy who's in love with his car, he makes love to his car. A woman married a roller coaster right? or something. <laughs> a woman married a roller coaster or you have somebody into love dolls that they want to marry their love dolls. I'm laughing, oh, yeah. but I,
0: I feel bad for laughing because it's not funny because these people... These like are them. sexual but disorders. But it's just so... It's yeah. so like... I don't know,
1: and a lot of it does come from trauma. When you look at these disorders, childhood trauma—maybe they didn't have love, they didn't have
2: families, mm-hmm. and so they created that love with a robot or something. It happens. So, how about like like a fetish? Uh, like when it comes to like swinging or or BDSM and things like that, uh, does that stem from some sort of disorder too, or is that different? I feel I
1: find that a lot of if you start digging into that, a lot of these people have um, mommy issues, daddy issues. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, Because you do see that role playing. It's like be the daddy or the mom role. Yeah, you know, you see all this age play going on, or you start seeing, you know, this kind of shows like gaps in your childhood or in your upbringing, or it could just be, I wanted to rebel because this is what's getting me off the taboo of rebellion. It could be maybe they didn't have any trauma. They just got into it because it became an addiction for them to do the next high. Because sex is like a drug. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It releases endorphins. It becomes a high.
0: It's an adrenaline rush. Right.
1: Exactly. Yeah. So maybe you didn't have trauma, but you're like, hey, I'm into this now. And now I'm, I want to try this.
0: What about fixations on certain things like feet?
1: yeah hey (laughs) (laughs) um there's definitely terms for all these things i didn't memorize all of them but we can look if you want to look them up you can Mm -hmm. google it i'm sure but um yeah it's it's interesting there's people that are addicted to body parts um there's anything you can think of like i've even heard of like you know everybody's heard of the golden showers or you know just people are into some really strange things People are into some strange Stop things. Targeting They're, me. You know? And it's a mystery still. There's is there a real reason why people do this or why they like it? maybe not. And it's just something that we categorize, but we don't fully understand sometimes mm-hmm. why. Sometimes people right. just like things because they yeah. like it.
0: Sometimes we just freak a leaks.
1: Why are people obsessed with those pop vinyl figures? It's like one of those things. It's weird. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I agree. Like, <laughs> it's like why? It's just it's just an addiction now. <laughs> you know?
2: Yeah. Yeah. This is a... Uh, It it's really it's opened my eyes because I didn't realize that that so many things uh, could be considered addictions, Mm -hmm. right? You know, so 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 many things that are just a part of everyday life.
1: Yeah, and I have a music addiction. I'm in a band, for people who don't know. I, I also have a Disneyland addiction. I go for oh the food. God. I love food. <laughs> I go to Disneyland for the food, not even for the rides. How crazy is that? <laughs> it's like you paid a $100 ticket just to get a funnel cake. <laughs> <laughs> or an horchata churros. Oh, <laughs> oh, my God. Can we go after this? Like- yeah, right? No, that's cool. Um, But no, going back to sex to close it up, People, are, one question they ask me in therapy all the time is, you know, what makes great sex? What makes great intimacy? And that question is actually answered by uh old people. So older generations. So I should <laughs> fuck old people. <laughs> why hey. do you think
0: I only talk to men 30 plus?
1: <laughs> <laughs> to, yeah, I mean, I'm not going to say all old people are experts at this. But <laughs> what I'm going to say is I read a book and what it did is like these older couples... Um, They found sexual satisfaction and was higher in the older populations because, you know, from experience, they learned how to do it right. And young people do it wrong for what we see. (laughs) People are not happy. Go away, fuck boys. You know, it's crazy, right? Young people are not happy in their sex lives because they're looking at porn. Mm -hmm. And that's what the older people are Mm -hmm. telling them. You guys are looking at porn and that's what you think real sex is. It's not. It's not intimate. It's just... It's all makeup and mirrors. And
0: I could so. rant on forever about my issue with porn. Don't even get me started. <laughs> that
2: could
1: be an addiction too. So
2: Yeah, I, I've, I've definitely realized that Yeah, you know, as much as I like porn, it's not like real sex. And real sex is a lot mm-hmm. more fun.
0: Porn just pisses me off and I, i'm gonna sound super like feminist <laughs> right now just pisses me off because it's targeted like only at males the, yeah. the females never get any attention they don't like the guys don't eat them out they don't do nothing for them they just stick it in and then come on their face and leave them I'm like oh, no, <laughs> yeah. no i'm this does nothing for me
1: a lot of the porn too is you see the porn stars they struggle with a lot of substance use too. yeah they're not happy either and that's that and part. a lot
0: of um like yeah. body dysmorphia like changing themselves right. a yeah. lot
1: Getting implants Mm -hmm. or just plastic surgery, Botox.
2: Filling
0: their lips and and everything.
2: Yeah, it's not real, guys. It's not real life. (laughs) I have heard people say that they they feel inadequate with their size and everything uh, due to porn. I mean, the guys are always have 14-inch dicks Mm -hmm. and stuff. Right. And, you know, it's just, it's a self-esteem issue, too. Yeah, definitely. It d- and
1: it does cause depression in some males, too. Yeah. You know, you think females are the only ones struggling with body dysmorphia, but yeah. actually guys struggle with that, too. Oh, definitely. By the way, I'm not talking
2: about myself. I have a 16-inch yeah. <laughs> As long as my
0: arm. Don't <laughs> worry, we won't tell anybody.
1: <laughs>
0: no, it's true. A lot of people don't talk about that, either, about how men struggle with body dysmorphia and yeah, and right. self-esteem issues. Yes. Again, because that just gets swept under the rug. Yeah, because. men
2: men tend to be more quiet about it. Yeah. We, we tend to be taught that... Uh, we're we're not allowed to talk it's about that It's a feminine stuff. thing to yeah.
0: be s- upset about that. Exactly. Dumb. It's just dumb. Bullshit.
1: Right. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, it's 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 mental health is real, and I really hope that people get inspired from these kinds of discussions and and learn that hey, if you're a guy, you can get help. You know, if exactly. You're, if you're a girl, you can get help. It doesn't matter what sex you are. You know, you whatever issue you have, whether it's like a sex issue or an addiction issue, you know, a therapist is out there. You can talk to.
0: You could get help for anything, basically. Right. <laughs>
1: exactly.
2: Yeah, and uh, any questions that you guys might have or anything, feel free to, to message us. Uh, Do you want to plug in your information so people can reach out yeah. to you or something? Oh, yeah,
1: definitely. I mean, if you guys want to get a hold of me, um, you can always email me. Um, uh, We can post the link for that. You yeah. Know, please email me. And uh, yeah, I definitely can guide you in the right direction. If you guys need help to, you know, talking to a psychiatrist or a therapist, I can definitely give you some information.
0: And since this was a more serious episode, we'll put like suicide prevention hotline and yeah, stuff in inside definitely. the description. Yeah. Well... David. Yes. Thank you so so much for coming on and talking to us. This was such a like heartfelt episode. You know, I yeah, feel like really we learned a lot. Yeah. yeah
2: we great. appreciate
0: you and explaining everything to us. Thank you so much for coming on. We'll have all of his links down in the description so you guys can check it out. Sounds good. Thank you everybody so much for joining us on this episode today. We hope you all learned a little something or felt a little something. I hope it touched your little hearts in a way. Um, you guys can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or whatever podcast app you use, except for Spotify because Spotify is being a bitch. Um, <laughs> follow us on social media: Instagram at Millennials Podcast, Facebook and Twitter at Millennials. Or just Google us because we're the only ones with that name. Don't forget to rate, review, and comment. Thank you, BBs. Yeah,
2: and you guys, any questions that you might have or anything, of course, you can reach out to of David. Course. You can reach out to us. Any questions mm-hmm. that you want us answered in the podcast or, you know, whatever. Yeah, our email uh, will also be in the description. Uh, feel free to reach out.
0: If anybody even just wants to talk, I'm here to listen. I don't care who you are. If you're across the other side of the world, if you just need somebody to talk to, I'm here, y'all.
2: Or if you want to bitch us out, that's fine, too.
0: Or that, you know, just... You know, send us more hate comments. We love those. <laughs> All right. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We'll see you later. Bye.
2: Bye.